Hey there, I'm Ashley and I'm a proud mama of two beautiful kiddos, a wife, a health and wellness coach, and a middle and high school shop teacher. Hi, I'm Roberta, mama, wife, educator. I'm an entrepreneur and homeschool mom navigating the work, family, social life balance. Together, we will discuss various topics near and dear to our hearts for teachers and mamas, like routines, health, habits, self-care, and so, so much more. Living a healthy lifestyle is for everyone from young children to adults. Health, wellness, and emotional and social well-being starts at home and should be expanded upon in the classroom. Everyone can benefit from the Teacher Mamas podcast. So if you're ready to learn some helpful tips, let's do this thing. Hello, hello. Today is part two of a series on calm down strategies. If you didn't tune in to last week, last week was all about different uh, breathing strategies to help ourselves, help our kids, help our classrooms calm down. And calm down might be, uh, it's kind of a, a large umbrella term, right? It, it could mean maybe they're starting to feel frustrated or angry or having difficulty focusing Maybe they're feeling um, overstimulated and hyper. And there's a whole, whole lot of reasons why um, these calm down strategies work and would be beneficial. And so uh, in last week's episode, we talked just about breathing strategies. Now, today we're going to talk about um, more strategies to help ourselves, our kids, and our students calm down. And these uh, the focus isn't breathing. However, by doing these different strategies, ultimately we're, we're calming our breathing down as well. And so that's kind of a nice byproduct, which also then helps um, soothe our brain. It soothes that fight or flight response. It gives more oxygen to our communication parts of the brain, to our thinking parts of the brain. And so um, today is all about those other strategies. And I, I really, I can't wait for you to hear this episode. It's chock full of great information, great reminders. Uh, one of the biggest things I think I, I even took away from this episode was it, we know a lot of these things. Um, I know a lot of these things as a teacher and just the act of going through it and making a list of all of the different things I've tried over the years with different students, with myself, with my own kids things I've read about or seen, it it brought this to the forefront of my mind. And it's already helped me this week to be honestly a better parent because I've been able to sit down and instead of reacting right away to the way my kids are behaving, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Take a, take a breath, do a calm down strategy, calm yourself down first, and then help them through it which is also then typically helping them through a calm down strategy as well, and then dealing with whatever the problem is. And it's been a much easier week to be in this house because we are focusing on that calming down step first before we figure out what the problem is. And it's been so helpful. And my hope is that this is helpful for you. And even if you know these things, I hope for you too. It's just brought again to the forefront of your mind. It's a great reminder and, and maybe it makes an impact in your life as well. 
So whether you're a mom, you're a teacher, your dad, whoever is listening to this, you can really benefit from learning all of these different strategies, either for yourself or for someone you love. We really hope you enjoy. Now on to our episode. So the next thing um, that's super helpful, if there's time for it, is going on a walk. And for myself, this is one of the things that I know that helps me the most. So I have to make time. If I'm starting to feel frustrated, I personally need to make the time to go on a walk to help myself work out the frustration and calm down. So kind of rule of thumb with going on a walk is that you continue walking until that feeling starts to feel less intense. And then you can turn around and start heading back home or, or wherever you are. But um, then once that less intense feeling is there, then then a conversation can start to happen. Or maybe that's when a breathing um, exercise or technique could happen. Yeah. And I'll even add if you can do, I mean, I think it's kind of obvious, but if you can do your walk outside in nature, yes, that's going to help even more. I know for teachers, that's not always possible. Like if you can only walk the hallways or walk the track really quick, but Mm -hmm. if you can do it outside, (laughs) I know specifically one time a few summers ago, I had an issue with someone and uh, I ended up before I blew up on them, I started walking. I was like, okay, I'll just walk to the end of the driveway. That wasn't enough. Okay. I'll walk halfway up the hill that wasn't enough okay I'll walk all the way to the end of the road nope not enough and I just kept going and going and going because that's how mad I was (laughs) right and it can take sometimes I'll I'll walk a little bit and sometimes I'm walking two miles but I know that it'll be helpful so again if there's time and even with um, the classroom I would do this Um, I would go to the office grab a walkie and we would go on a walk around the school building. It's like, we're, this isn't, we're not going to go play on the playground because it's not a reward necessarily, but we need to get some energy out. So we're going to go on a walk mm-hmm. um, or we need to calm down. So we're going to go on a walk. And so we would walk around the school building and typically we had a larger like school building footprint. So to do that took a little bit of time, especially with little, little legs. So then by the time we got back, that was, that was typically good enough. And then we could come in and, but then even that with, with kids in classrooms, there's, then there's a transition. You're going from walking to putting things away in locker and coming in the classroom. And that's enough of a transition that then they needed something else to transition into being in the classroom. So like a breathing story or, um, something to get them grounded and calm within the classroom too. Okay, so the next thing I wanna talk about is having a mood boosters list. And I think this probably is more geared towards parents, I think, when I think about this, this isn't something, I learned this recently, so I never used it in the classroom, but you probably um, figure out how to adapt this for the classroom, but. There's a book um, that Izzy and I are reading called um, 13 Things Strong Kids Do. They Think Big, They Feel Good, and They Act Brave by Amy Morin. And I'll link that in the show notes as well. But she talks about 
uh, having a mood boosters list that you can go and reference when um, specifically she talks about when you're feeling like sad or, or kind of down about something or you're feeling sorry for yourself. Um, but a lot of the things that we came up with would also help when feeling frustrated or overwhelmed or even hyper. So um, I thought I'd read some of the things that Izzy and I came up with and put on her list. So her current list of mood boosters is cuddling with my mom, playing with my kittens and dog, play outside with my brother, watch, uh, watch funny YouTube videos, playing with my whole family. And I think here she meant like playing. We love to play card games. So I think that's what she meant. Uh, doing tapping, which we'll talk about next. Going on a bike ride, jumping on the trampoline or doing the monkey bars, painting or play with toys. And having this list uh, somewhere where we can reference. So when they come to you saying, or even saying I'm bored or, or um, I don't know what to do. It's like, here's this list that you came up with. Um, mm -hmm. let's, let's look through it and pick, pick something from the list and see if that helps. So one of the things on that list uh, I mentioned was tapping. And there's uh, two different types of tapping that I wanna talk about here for calming down. One is EFT tapping, uh, which is um, emotional freedom technique is what it's called. And it's tapping on the different points in your, of your body that, um, what are they called? Your like meridian points. And there's a lot of science backing this. These are the points that are used in acupuncture and in massage. And um, so if we tap on them gently, it helps kind of release tension um, and resets some, I don't remember this, all the scientific stuff, but it's helpful. So uh, we'll have to do an episode on that someday and I'll have to write down and research all of the scientific stuff because I think it's fascinating. And so there's different spots. Um, there's between the eye, uh, between the eyebrows, the side of the eyes, um, under your eyes, kind of like on that cheekbone, um, the um, under your nose, right under your mouth, like that crest, like that spot between your mouth and your chin, and then underneath the collarbone on both sides. Um, under your armpit, kind of where the bra, like if you're a woman, where your like bra band would be, and then the top of the head. And so each statement, you're tapping one of these spots and you're going through each one. And what I love about EFT is it first, you take time acknowledging your feeling. You take time to acknowledge whatever it is that you're feeling. Know that what you're feeling is okay. It's valid but then switching into some positive mindset stuff that helps release that feeling and helps, helps it feel less intense or even go away. So in a lot of the videos or trainings, they have you rate how you're feeling from zero to 10 or with kids, they have them show like with their hands, if their hands are close together or far apart, like close together is feeling pretty good, far apart is feeling really heightened and anxious or frustrated. And so they start by doing that self-assessment where on this scale are you right now? You do the tapping, which is all guided and then you self-assess again. Is it 
or is it better? Did you go from a six to a four? Did you go from way, your hands way far apart to closer together? That's nice for that self-assessment um, as well. But there are so many YouTube videos um, and there are lots of different things that even as teachers, like you could print out a script and you could guide them with your voice through the script, but there's so many that you can find online. Um, they have tapping videos, especially for kids and specifically with the purpose to calm down. Or maybe uh, one we've used a lot is to be preemptive. We've done one in the morning that sets the intention to have a good day and kind of let go of any, any worries they have about what the day could bring. So just go and search and try and find different ones and save the ones that you like. The other one, the other type of tapping I want to talk about is um, uh, tapping the chest and it's called the uh, thymus testing tap, uh, which is from the book, uh, How to Heal Yourself from Depression When No One Else Can. And I'm not sure where she got the technique or if she created it her, herself, but I'll link the book in the show notes. So basically this one is um, tapping the chest. It's kind of in the middle of the chest below where the collarbone meets. So what you can do is tap that to release a negative emotion and knowing, being able to name what that emotion is and then tap the chest seven times, basically saying like release, 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 or let it go. And it kind of helps reset your nervous system. Uh, the other way to use it would be if like you want to feel more joyful or happy or calm you could tap that and say whatever that positive emotion is like if you want to be calm tap it seven times and say the word calm seven times each time you tap um, and I've done this with Izzy a couple times and it's really easy and I've noticed her doing it by herself I'm not prompting her to do it. She starts to feel something and I see her tapping on her chest because you can just say it in your head too. You don't have to say the word out loud. It works if you're just thinking the word. It is, so it is where your collarbone meets and then down maybe an inch or two oh, um, okay. on your chest. And so, I mean, you don't have to get the spot completely correct because the vibration if you're somewhere in the area the vibration of the tapping will end up hitting the, the, the thymus so so it's different be EFT because on EFT you do it on both sides of the right color right okay. so this is a totally different spot and that um, one is even easier than EFT tapping because EFT takes quite a while probably to teach your kid and this is just one tapping area Right. So it's nice. And then, yeah, it can take a minute. Whereas you have to T tapping like scripts could take anywhere from six minutes to 20 minutes, depending on the one you're, you're, you're doing, or there are some that um, you go through the, the script and then it says, just continue tapping through your points until, until you start to feel a little bit better. And then you mm -hmm. can stop and do these. Um, you always end with like an affirming statement, like, and I'm okay now, or um, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I am safe or something along those lines. If you'd really love to support our show, there are two ways to do that. One is to follow the link in the show notes and uh, support us through Patreon. 
by becoming a patron of our show, you're helping support our art. And in the future, we hope to be able to add some um, bonus content only for the, the patrons of, of the show. So go check out our Patreon. The other way to support our show is by reviewing and liking and subscribing to our podcast. So you can do that wherever you are listening, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google, or Amazon Podcasts, on iHeartRadio, or through our hosting website, which is where we um, where we kind of live, which is on Podbean. And so all of those are places where you can go rate and review our show. The more ratings, the more reviews, the more our show shows up in searches for future people to find. So we're so grateful for your support. Okay. So I have a few more to go over. Uh, One is uh, either at home or in the classroom to have a calm down area. So a spot um, where you have things and you've gone over what they are but it's where they can go to be alone for a little while. Maybe they set a timer um, and it's a spot where they can go to self-regulate and they can do something to calm down and feel less frustrated or whatever it might be. Uh, I think it's important though to have rules and expectations around this area, especially in the classroom. They can't be there all day. So what is gonna be the expectation? Um, And the easiest way I've found is to have a timer. Um, I think I had a sand timer that was, uh, I had two. So there was one that was either three minutes uh, or five minutes. And they would pick and they would pick the time and then do one of the following things during their time there. So they were uh, alone for that time. Um, And in the area, I have things like fidgets, Legos, books, and those breathing visuals that we talked about earlier. And I even have this at home. I, our coat closet by our front door is so tiny and ridiculous um, and in a bad spot. So I ended up, I took the doors off and put a bench in there and a little tiny, I say bookshelf, but it's so tiny. It's like, I, I can't even, it's like a foot wide. It's so small, but, um, and it in there has, fidgets and different books for them to look at. And so sometimes they go on their own, but most of the time I have to say, I notice you're feeling frustrated. I need you to go to the calm down corner or the calm down closet or whatever. And sometimes it's, okay, I'm feeling really frustrated with you right now. (laughs) And so Um, I'm going to go to my own calm down area and you need to leave me alone for a few minutes so that I can calm down before I talk to you Mm -hmm. Um, and having those expectations really clear. Definitely something I need to get better at, but I also um, have been really trying to, um, I like how you said, I noticed you're feeling frustrated or you're starting to feel frustrated. And one thing I've been getting a lot better at is trying to name the feeling that they're having so that they understand what's going on inside of their body so they don't just think like there's something wrong with them like these are normal emotions that are Mm -hmm. happening they happen to us as adults too uh and 
naming that emotion so they know what to call it so that they know that when that thing starts coming up again, oh, I'm starting to feel frustrated. What do I do when I feel frustrated? I go to the calm down area and I really like to play with this or use this thing to help me calm down, not play with because we we don't want them to just think that every time um, that they're they're going through something that is just playtime, especially in the classroom. Like we don't we don't want them to think like if they're having a meltdown that they get to get rewarded with their meltdown by mm-hmm. playing, but we use calm down strategies instead. Um, yeah. So naming those emotions, I know one thing that has really helped me with this is uh, what the heck is it called? ABC emotional, yeah, ABC. emotional ABCs. Yeah. Yes. And I do it with the kids because honestly, like I need the reminder too. It is really helpful. I agree. We're yeah. going through it for the second time um, now ourselves. And it's a, it's such a great program. Mm-hmm. And you can use it. I, th- I think it's really cheap. It's only like six or seven bucks a month. If you're not a teacher, I think if you're a teacher, it might be free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yep. I used it in my classroom uh, for free. Um, okay. My teacher, you know, yep. I don't know if that still is, but that was the case years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I used it with my classroom every year and I use it with my kids. Um, and it works really well because it goes through and it explains different emotions and not just what they are, but how it might feel in your body or how to recognize that feeling in someone else. Yeah. And then, yep. and then, and then it goes through some strategies about um, what to do when you're feeling that way. Super helpful. Yeah. Because honestly, most of us didn't get taught this stuff when we were young. And so this is why I think as adults, as parents, we freaking struggle so much because this stuff isn't taught in school. We aren't like, I, we're getting better at it. Like we have a lot of like social emotional curriculum in, I know in my kids' elementary school, they actually have like a social emotional class that they do. I don't know how often throughout the week they do it, but I was a mess in elementary school. Like whenever I would get frustrated, I would go under my desk and I would cry. That was, that was my way of dealing with it. And no one ever taught me anything else. And that was just the way that I dealt with stuff. And I know like, that is why I have such a hard time with this now. And I don't like, it's, it's not, obviously I'm admitting it to you all. Like it's not a it's not a bad thing like we didn't learn this as we were kids so how would we know how to teach this to our kids now right right which is super important as teachers and parents that we recognize like hey this was hard for us I don't want it to be that way for Mm -hmm. my kids or the next generation so what Mm -hmm. are we going to do about it and right and these are some great things that we can do so the next couple of things are, are pretty quick. Um, one of them is that I that I used a few times with students uh, to help with the initial calm down was cold or lukewarm water on their wrists. So sitting at the sink and running water over their wrists um, to help calm them down or a washcloth or like a paper towel uh, that's wet with cold water and placing it on their face or their neck. And when, when they're feeling, especially when they're feeling like anger or anxiety, 
those feelings can make our bodies feel really overheated. And that can Mm. end up being the strongest feeling is I'm overheated, something's wrong. So Mm -hmm. it can make the anxiety or the anger worse. It's kind of this cycle. You start to feel angry, your body gets overheated, and that triggers more emotion. And so with um, with those, having um, the strategy of using cold water to, to cool down can help take that physical sensation away, which can then make it easier to calm the emotion. Mm. <clears throat> Sadie, Sadie definitely needs this one because she is when she gets hot or overheated oh my lanta it is like the end of the world (laughs) colton doesn't matter he can be hot running around sweaty little boy like it doesn't bother him at all he's his daddy's child but sadie the moment she gets hot or overheated she's just (sighs) yeah and i get it i think i mean there's different reasons it it triggers further emotions but i know for me um when i'm overheated most of the time when I'm overheated, it means like I'm about to get sick, like I'm sick and I'm going to throw up. (laughs) And Mm. so then when I get this heightened emotion, it's like, oh crap, and am I going to get sick? Like you kind of connect these feelings um, when the sensation is the same in our body. And then it can just trigger all of these thoughts and feelings and make Mm -hmm. things worse than they are. So, um, Let's see. The next thing is uh, distraction, which might sound a little weird, but sometimes, especially with our little kids, and I think we've all done it with our with our toddlers. Sometimes we just need to distract them from whatever it is that is frustrating mm-hmm. them. And mm-hmm. <laughs> but the important distinction here, using it as a calm down strategy, you don't just distract them and never go back to whatever the situation was. For it to be Mm -hmm. a calm down strategy, you distract them, help them calm down with the distraction. But then when they're calm, you need to go back to whatever that situation or scenario was and have a conversation. Next time this Mm -hmm. happens, what can we do? Or Mm -hmm. whatever it may be. But um, ultimately, like especially with these younger kids, distraction might be what what just needs to happen but again going back to have that conversation later and honestly sometimes I think I've been saying you know and then have the conversation but it's super important to remember and think about sometimes the conversation might not be the same day it might need to be the next day it might be something that was so heightening yeah, they maybe calm down a little bit, but you start to talk about it and they're getting right back. They're getting amped up right away. Just talking about it. They're not Mm -hmm. ready to talk about it. Um, and there's no harm in waiting. In fact, if you wait, you might have a better conversation about it. Yeah. I think this is something uh, that we need to do with both of our kids because they, I'll try and have that conversation with them right afterwards. And yeah, they just start getting more and more upset again. So, 
I definitely, the hard thing for me is I get distracted myself then and then I forget to have the conversation. So I'll have to, you know, make that mental note, like, okay, we need to go back and we need to talk about this again, because my kids will even say, do we have to talk about this? Why do we have to talk about this? (laughs) All right. The last thing I want to touch on is hugging it out. Sometimes all we need, sometimes all our kids need is a hug. They need a hug from us and a gentle reminder that their feelings are valid, um, even if we don't think that they are. Because it doesn't matter, it's their feeling. But from my experience in education, there needs to be another option. There needs to be another strategy that they can also use. I've seen students who only know how to calm down if mom is with them and holding them. And I don't think I really need to explain why that is not helping anyone involved. (laughs) Physical touch and hugs are important, but they should not be the only strategy that our kids know how to use. I don't think we need to like shy away from it and not use that as a strategy because it's important Uh, especially as parents, but they need to have other ways as well, especially when they're not able to be by mom. They're not able to be by dad. They're not able to be by caregiver. They're at school. They're on the soccer field, wherever they are. They need to have a tool in their, you know, metaphorical toolbox that, that they can use when they're by themselves. I think it's also important with like um, middle and high school kids too, you know, we went, (laughs) teachers are so afraid because they were under attack for so long. I feel like in the news, it was like, oh, for the longest time, like awful, terrible teachers getting in trouble for things that they shouldn't have done with their students. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then we were taught for the longest time, like, don't even put a finger on them. Like, if you don't want to If you don't ever want to be accused of anything, don't even put a finger on them. And um, I think as teachers, you know, it's, I don't, I don't want to say like, give your kids hugs. Like I am your older kids. Um, I, if, if I am giving a kid a hug, I make sure that they're, and not me giving them a hug, but it's like the, I do have like some special ed kids who will come up and ask me for a hug, which is, um, fine with me as long as they're asking and I try and always do it in front of like another adult um or a a classroom so that Mm -hmm. there's other people there seeing it happen it's not just me giving a kid a hug right Mm -hmm. um but I think like we were under scrutiny for so long like don't even touch the don't even put a finger like just you know so we have like this ingrained in our head that we can't have Uh, we can't touch our kids at all. Mm -hmm. And I think like this goes off of the relationships that you have with your kids in the classroom. If you don't have a good relationship with a kid in your classroom, yeah, you probably shouldn't even put a finger on them. But there are kids that like we have really good relationships with. And I'll just say like, hey, how's it going? And you know, now that the, the C word is kind of going away. Um, I, in my class, it's a, it's a big skill to be able to know how to do a handshake. Right. So like, um, I'm going to get back to this next year. 
Um, but doing handshake as the kids come in the room or fist bumping or, you know, we, when the, when COVID was happening more, um, we would do like elbow bumps, um, Mm -hmm. or like, as you're seeing kids in the hallway, like, Hey, how's it going? And just giving them a light tap on the shoulder or something like that. Uh, that little like little touch reminder to the kids is a a good reminder to them that you do care and they are important to you. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I like, I know for the longest time it was don't touch the kids. Don't even like, don't even look at them wrong because of all the things that were happening. And yes, you still need to be careful. Like I said, if there's a kid that asks for a hug, I, I, try and do it in front of the classroom or in front of an adult. And I, I do want them to ask. So especially the older kids. And I know our, like our teachers are really good. Our special ed teachers, like, cause this, these kids really do like hugs and they're really good at teaching them. You need to ask before you just go in for a hug. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's an important skill for so many reasons. Right. But I would even, even in kindergarten, um, we would talk about, you need to ask if it's okay to hug someone. And if they say no, then that's okay. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not an attack on you. They don't want to, they don't like you because they don't want to hug. They just don't mm-hmm. want to hug. It doesn't mean they don't like you and having conversations right. like that. But yep. um, I think um, on. one other modification I would like to say for like middle and high school kids uh, for when you were talking about the, uh, the calm down area. Yeah. I know in elementary classrooms, it's really easy to have like a corner set up for this. Not so much in middle and high school classrooms. And I know my, our EBD teachers at school are really good at like letting their kids know if you need a break, like if that's in the kids IEP, uh, they need to be asking to go take a break. And then like we call the EBD teacher, we have them come down and use that room for a take a break room. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. And that's really good for that. But at the same time, I want my kids to be like, kind of grow out of that. I don't want them to feel like they always have to go to the EBD room to take a break. So this is something that we talk about, like, hey, I have an office you can go sit in too. That way we're not taking away. And I'm not saying they're all going to be at this point right away. Obviously, they need to be able to learn how to use the EBD room to take an actual break and work through that with the teacher in that room first. But Mm -hmm. when I feel like they're kind of graduating from that and they are able to kind of use these skills on their own, I'm like, it is still okay to take a break. Like, I still need to take a break sometimes. I'll even tell my kids, I'm like, Mrs. Johnson has heard Mrs. Johnson 10 times too many in the last one minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Mrs. Johnson needs to go take a real quick breathing break. Right. And so like they see me take breaks once in a while. So I like I tell them, 
I'm really, I'm really happy that you have gotten to the point where you can ask me to go take a break. Now, can we get to the point where you can just go take a break in my office really quick and then do your strategy that you've learned how to do in the EBD room and then come back out that way. We're not wasting 15 minutes of every single hour that you need to go take a break. You can just use that two minutes now instead. So that way they don't yeah. feel like they have to go somewhere else to take the break. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also do this with my non EBD kids too, because I'm like, you guys, like some of my kids who are not special ed. Yeah. We still need to take breaks. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I like, instead of we talk about this at the beginning of the year, like, I understand if you guys have gone through something in the hallway, maybe you just had like a run in with a classmate that uh, was it wasn't good. And now you're like in this heightened state of emotion instead of coming in here and freaking out at me or another student. Let's have a conversation. Hey, Mrs. Johnson, something just happened. Can I go in your office? And which you guys, my office, I can see I have windows in my office, but mm-hmm. can I go in there and use it as like, can I just go calm down for a little bit? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. But I also make sure that they know you cannot have your phone out at that time. Like right. your phone needs to stay away because that's a huge, huge thing. Um, and, and all that kind of stuff. So just talking through this with your middle and high school kids as well. And it's not just going to be like a one-time conversation thing, or when you notice a kid is having an especially hard time, uh, like, especially one that has been really, like really good. And I don't mean like really good, like they're a good student. They behave well. I mean, like usually they're in a good emotional state but maybe they come in that day and you can tell something is up. Sometimes it is like a, Hey, do you need to go to the office and talk to somebody about this or talk to the counselor or whatever? Do you need to go just be away for a little bit before like, cause if they're sitting in your classroom in that emotional state, they're not going to get any learning done anyways. So, right. you know, asking like, do you need to go talk to the counselor? Or maybe it's like a 30 second conversation they can have with you. They can go quickly take a break in your office and then they come back, can come back out and join you. Mm -hmm. And this is something um, we did a love and logic training. This is, uh, they call it the recovery area. And we haven't used that language at our school for a while because it's been a long time since we've done that professional development program, which I wish they would bring it back because it was one of literally the best trainings that we've all had, all of us, all of us asked for it again. Um, and we haven't gotten it, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it was called the recovery area or the recovery chair where they would put themselves there, or you would like, kind of like Roberta said, "I, I see that you're feeling this way right now. How about you go use the recovery chair? And then you come back and join us when you're ready. But then also having those boundaries around it. You can't just sit in that chair the whole hour. You've got to use some of these strategies and then come back and join us when you're ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's a good modification for, for older kids. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just before I move on here for a second, for those of you that are listening, but you're not in Minnesota, EBD means um, emotional behavioral disorder. In a lot of other states, it is called something different or they they don't have that uh, term at all, uh, which mm-hmm. is a bummer. Um, Minnesota is one of the 
one of the states, though, that does recognize emotional behavioral disorders as a like a, a term uh, and disorder in that um, qualifies a student for special education services. In a lot of other states, that is not mm-hmm. the way it is. But I didn't realize that it, it was like that in other states. I learned something else today. <laughs> yeah, I, I learned that the hard way living in living in a different state. They had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> So last thing here for kids have some sort of a visual reminder of their strategies um, that they're choosing, have some sort of visual posted somewhere or have that calm down area or something that is visual, that is a reminder because in the heat of the moment, it is so hard to remember what our strategies are, even as the adult trying to help the child. We're feeling heightened as well a lot of times because their their heightened emotion tends to trigger our own heightened emotions. So having the list, not only for our kids, but ourselves as reminders, like, hey, this is what we decided on. That's right. Let's look. Let's look at our list. And then being able to to do whatever it is that you've decided is the strategy you're going to use. It's so helpful. And so for teens and adults, just having like a note card somewhere that you can reference or a note in your phone or device to reference um, just a list. Like I do this for my own calm down strategies. I do this for, I have um, chronic migraines and when you're in the heat of a migraine, again, it's a strong feeling. I'm not remembering my strategies in that moment. So I have to have them written down somewhere like, oh yeah, okay, I have a migraine. I can remember to go look at my list. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, let's try this. Let's try these different right. strategies. Um, this is a great so. idea. I wanna I wanna do this with, in my classroom now. Like I wanna have a, I wanna put a visual up like when the kids come in. <laughs> yeah. And then if they have a notebook or something or an agenda or a planner, it's like, okay, just go to the front page, jot down a couple things that you can do that you can just like turn back and look at in the heat of the moment. It'll be a good reminder for me too. (laughs) Yeah, it's helpful. That's today's episode. So uh, we would be super grateful if something resonated with you from today's episode that you would take a screenshot and tag us on Instagram we absolutely love to see what you are vibing with um, and what what resonates with you. And that helps us know what type of content to, to provide you with in the future. Um, and so we're so grateful for you, our listeners, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. We want to thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to us chat about healthy family living. We would love to hear your thoughts or any ideas you have for future episodes. So feel free to message us at the teacher mamas podcast at gmail.com or the teacher mamas podcast on Instagram. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave a quick rating or review on whatever platform you're listening from. If something really stood out to you today, Don't forget to share it with someone else in your life that might need to hear it too. Spread the word. Please don't forget to share with your online community and tag us. For more positivity and inspiration on how we navigate life and the things we do on a daily basis to stay sane in the crazy, don't forget to go follow each of us on Instagram. Check the show notes for our handles.